Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. Well, as I mentioned, we had such a great week last week and just so exciting. Uh, if Again, if you weren't here, we, we have some of the books and pictures and artifacts and different things. A hundred years is really just unbelievable to be celebrating and to see what God has has done. I love all of the history. I love learning about it. I love learning about the families and those that were involved. We're going to continue to celebrate throughout the year. We've kind of set aside the fourth Sunday of every month. We're going to focus on a little bit of our history. It's not going to be as big or as large to the extent we did last week, but focus a little bit on our history throughout the year. There's been so many great things that have have gone on. But again, part of what we're celebrating is our history that God has been faithful. And going into the future, that same God is going to be faithful, going to be faithful. I was in on a Zoom meeting um, I, I don't know how many of you have been in Zoom meetings, but I've grown to love the Zoom meetings uh, because I don't have to travel anywhere, and it's nice. And if I need to get up and do something or whatever, I can just take my video portion of it of it out. But I was on a Zoom meeting with ministers from the New Jersey district on to, it was either Tuesday or Thursday, and Pastor Don James obviously was leading the meeting, and when I got on, he gave a shout-out to Hope Assembly of God, and that's you. That's what I wanted you to know. He said, we just had a blast. He wrote a beautiful letter. Well, let me share it. Wanted to thank you for the invite to share in your very special 100th anniversary. Honestly, it was a blast. I regret not being, not, uh, oh, yeah. I regret not taking a cupcake. We took him out to eat after, and he... Pastor Don is one of the greatest guys I've ever known, but he's not a great eater. He's a little thin. If we could get him to come back a little more often, we could fix that for him. <laughs> a little thin. We offered him dessert at Pegasus. I don't know if you've had dessert at Pegasus. Have you had dessert? Can I talk about it just for a minute here before I get into the sermon? Have you ever had the Jamaican dome cake? How many have had the Jamaican dome cake? It's, 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 <sighs> chocolate cake, cheesecake, chocolate mousse wrapped in a chocolate ganache. So here's what the baker does. I found out what the baker does because they bake everything there. The baker several times a week, goes into the throne room of God. <laughs> receives this Jamaican dome and then brings it down to us at the Pegasus restaurant. That's how good it is. So we took Brother Pastor Don to, to there, and he did okay eating, nothing spectacular. I would have personally been embarrassed, but he wasn't. And uh, he had to speak, so, you know, that night I said, well, can we send a dessert with you? And he said this, Linda, hold on. He said this out loud. No, I won't eat it. I said, uh, I said, well, how about if we buy, you know, buy something for your wife? She won't eat it either. 
So I said, you know what? Then I'll buy one for myself and I'll eat it for you. See, that's just the... That's just the kind of guy that I am, always looking out for other people. But beyond that, beyond that, here's our district superintendent that's been to many, many churches and gave our church a, a shout out. He said the only thing he regrets is that his wife couldn't be with him but hopes to bring her back again soon. And so as I was reading through, and again, I'm going to get to the message here, honestly, after, after Easter, We've kind of been looking on what's next after Easter. And then Jesus ascended, and we talked about that. And the disciples, the apostles were like, okay, now it's time to go. And the first command that Jesus gave them was not to go, but to wait. To wait. And we started talking about what does it mean to wait? And why did he have them wait? Before Pentecost came, before they received the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit that we equated a couple weeks ago, the difference between a garden hose and a pressure washer. Take a look at that message if you haven't uh, heard or seen that one yet. And then I, I kind of always thought, although I've read the book of Acts, I can't tell you how many times, I always thought, well, it was wait and then go. Wait and go. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit and then go out and be witnesses. But in reading it through and reading this season of, of life and ministry, it actually wasn't wait and go. It was wait, gather, and go. That everything that happened in the early church was through the process of gathering and what it means to gather together as the people of God. Okay, so here's what happened. Pentecost came. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Peter gets up and preaches, and 3,000 people get saved that day. Those 3,000 people became the church. Do you know that the church, the word church, wasn't mentioned in the Old Testament? It was a mystery to the Old Testament believers because God's blessing, and he worked through the nation of Israel, but now... God was establishing something new through the power of the Holy Spirit, which was the church. And I like to think of that God breathed life into the church. And so what was the first thing that the church did? They gathered together. That was the first thing. And then from that, they went out from there. So what I want to look at today in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through about 46 is... The seven qualities of a quality church. The seven qualities of a quality church. So turn there. I don't have the scriptures up there uh, for you, but in Acts 2.42, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Okay, so the idea of being devoted to, they devoted themselves, meaning it was something that they were going to continue to do. It wasn't just a stage of life. It wasn't just a fad. It wasn't just a hobby. Their devotion to God, their devotion to these, excuse me, seven things that we're going to look at was, was a part, not just a stage of life, but it was a lifestyle for them. It became everything to them. I mean, I can't even imagine what it must have been like at their first gatherings and who stood up to teach. Peter, hey, John, you got anything to share about Jesus? Just so happens I do. I mean, you talk about firsthand. 
The, the first apostles saw Jesus, walked with Jesus, were taught by Jesus. I mean, it must have just been amazing to hear them teach the word of God. And so the first church, the first believers, right after the day of Pentecost, as they gathered together, one of the first things they did was listen to the apostles' teaching. Because the apostles were, had a new understanding of their scriptures. And their scriptures, the New Testament believers, what were their scriptures? The Old Testament. Well, what was different? Well, Jesus. So now they read the Old Testament completely different because they saw that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of that. So can you imagine Peter getting up and saying, yeah, you know, I used to read this scripture, I'm, you know, in Sunday school. And then I met Jesus, and wow, here's what it really means. Here's what I thought it was about. Here's who it's really about. I mean, it must have just been, been awesome. A quality church teaches, and the people want to learn about the word of God. In the first church, it was the apostles' teaching. In the churches now, in the New Testament church, one of the gifts of the church in Ephesians chapter 4 is pastor slash teacher. Now, that might be two separate things. It's probably more combined. That part of what a pastor does is teach the word of God. That's what I do. I'm a teacher of the word of God. Now, uh, we don't believe, um, I don't believe, and most in the assemblies of God don't believe that there are any more apostles with a capital A. The capital A apostles were Jesus' apostles that walked with him and were taught by him, including Paul, who met with Jesus and was taught by Jesus miraculously. So uh, this is just a little, little thought here to help you. Be careful of people that give themselves titles. You know, no one ever gives themselves a title of servant, bond servant, you know, just be careful of all, of all of that, all right? And so, yes, there are small A apostles that go and begin churches just like the early apostles did, and there are evangelists and uh, prophets and those things, yes. And, but in the, in the New Testament church, it's the pastor teacher that teaches the word of God, and that's what I try to do and what I endeavor, in, endeavor to do. I received a call during covid from someone that lives a distance away that uh, watches all of our online services. And they grew up in a different religious circles than we do. And they told me that they've never felt closer to God than through COVID and watching our online services, that they've never heard anyone uh, share the word of God, teach it so it could be understood and related in a practical way. And I tell you that, and again, this is tricky because they're talking about me, but I'll tell you my thought on that was, that was the greatest thing I ever heard because that's my calling. And it feels good, you know, and I'm not looking for praise and you don't have to come up to me afterward. That's not my point. My point is, that's what God has called me to do and that's what I'm privileged to do and people's lives are being touched by that. The teaching of God's word has to be predominant in a quality church because if not for the teaching and the authority of God's word, people can get off track and get off base. And I'm going to get to the power part of it, but people sometimes want the power gifts 
without the authority of the Word of God or the authority of the local church. They want to be able to go and do whatever they want to do, and God told them, whatever that means. God told them, uh, and, but without the teaching of God's Word, see, we can get off track very easily. Very, very easily, okay? So learning God's word, teaching God's word, first sign of a quality church. Not the only sign, but an important sign. The second one is fellowship. So the teaching of God's word and prayer, which we'll get to, is vertical relationship. Fellowship is horizontal relationship, learning about each other. It's been difficult through COVID. As Pastor Joe said, he didn't, he's never even seen some of your faces. And that's why Nick and I are not allowed to sit together in church. Nick and I were sitting in the front row one time, and Stella was behind us, and I felt like I was, you know, a little kid again with, oh, I'm sorry, the Italian lady sitting behind me going, shh, shh, because Nick and I were causing trouble, but it wasn't my fault. It was completely Nick's fault. The problem is we think a lot alike, and so like today, I thought something, but Nick actually said it, so that makes him worse than me. <laughs> but during, during the COVID time, it was hard to have the fellowship that we like to have. And so last Sunday, I sat back when we went up there and the cupcakes and all that and just watched people interact. It was so exciting. And I think you were excited by that. Why? Because as believers, we were meant to have fellowship with one another. That's just part of who we are. We want to be together with other believers. We're with people of the world all week. We need to be together with the people of God. And that's called fellowship. In the, the original language, it's called koinonia, which is more than just eating together. It's a partnership together. That we're kind of on the same team, and we like being on the same team. And we like working together and serving and sharing and being a part of what God is doing. Fellowship was experienced uh, in the process of teaching. It was more than just getting together. It was a partnership in the purposes of the church and the sharing in its message and its work. It's a togetherness that makes us different than any other group. There are a lot of groups in the communities that get together, but they don't have koinonia because Christ is not at the center of it. What we have as a church and what we have as our own church, just our local Hope Assembly of God church, is the fellowship. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And sometimes that fellowship is encouraging one another because they're going through a difficult time. Sometimes that fellowship is celebrating together. Sometimes that fellowship is being sorrowful together at a loss. Sometimes that fellowship is just laughing together. That's part of the fellowship that we have. Now, part and under that fellowship, it says in the passage here, the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread involves two separate aspects. One is communion. And that's what we do, you know, the first Sunday of every month or however, you know, that works out for us. The communion is so important. The breaking of bread is so important for the church because, again, that's something that separates us from other organizations. Other organizations get together and they say the Pledge of Allegiance or they might even have a general prayer or whatever. And that's it's wonderful. But when we get together, we remember Christ's sacrifice. See? That's what makes the church. We're here because Jesus died on the cross. His body was willingly broken. His blood was willingly shed. His body was broken that we could be whole. His blood was shed that we could be forgiven. See, 
That's why we have to continue in communion, in partaking in communion as a reminder that Jesus is the center of everything that we do. And if he's not the center, then we're not a quality church. Quality church, uh, never put your faith in a human. Don't put your faith in me, please. I can't handle the pressure. You know, and I'll probably fail you or probably already have. Keep your focus on Jesus. Jesus. All right, anyway. That's communion. But the other thing they did is they got together in their homes and they ate together to the glory of God. Doesn't it say that? They shared meals together. There's something special about sharing a meal together, isn't there? It, you become friends. You become family. You know I love to eat and you know I love to talk about it and make you hungry uh, in that. But there is something special. We grew up, and you know how I grew up. We grew up, we spent most of our time around the table. We would spend hours sitting around the table, and that wasn't uncommon. Many years ago when I played basketball in college, our team was playing in Cincinnati, and so they spent the night at my mom and some of our relatives, and my mom cooked for the whole team and the coaches. The coach came up to me and said, you know, is your mom okay cooking for all these people? I said, coach, this is a Sunday for mom. This isn't anything. This, she cooks like this every Sunday. That fellowship, that fellowship, learning around the table, learning about each other, sharing stories. One of the things that we did with our kids, and Dor was really to take credit for this, is that we would, as much as humanly possible, have our meals together, at least that, that evening meal. And our kids did everything too, and sports and music, and they were involved in a lot of different things, but we tried to always have that meal together. And she would ask them open-ended questions, not how was your day, because the answer is, eh. She would ask, what, what was the favorite part of your day? And they would learn to communicate and talk and tell stories. When we get together now and they're full-fledged adults, um, they, they'll say this, or if we talk on the phone, oh, I got a story. I got a story, got a story, got a story. Well, where do they learn that? Around the table, communicating. And we need that as families, and we need that as a community. And we're going to do that again real soon. It's hard um, in a Sunday morning setting, and our attendance is, you know, Memorial Day weekend coming off a big week, but it's hard in a Sunday morning setting to really get to know people. That's why I encourage you, any type of fellowship that's there, take it. Take it, whatever it is. Become part of something smaller than just Sunday morning so you can get to know people. And I know that's hard for some people. For me, even if for me, you know, and I'm somewhat outgoing, going into a new setting is difficult for me. I don't know where I'm going to sit, who I'm going to sit with, and all that stuff. But you know what? It's worth getting over that to getting to know people, to be a part. Just seize every opportunity to have fellowship with other believers. Your life will be better for it. And you know, sometimes you even have to step out and maybe invite somebody out to eat. Invite them over to your house or whatever that might be. Even if that's out of your comfort zone, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. Some of you more mature believers or that have been a part of the church for a while, if you see new people, can, can you take the initiative to get to know them and to just spend some time with them. It's difficult. It, it is hard. It's difficult. Can I ask 
some of our people that have been here, and I don't mean just older, I just mean people that have been here and know a bunch of people, would you take the initiative when we get together to, to, to scope out some new people that might feel uncomfortable and just go over and talk to them? I told you this story when I first moved here. I went to my first sectional ministers meeting and not one person talked to me. A bunch of pastors. And you know what I thought? I don't care. First of all, I, I didn't. Second of all, I'll just keep coming until they notice me. And that's what I did, and I kept coming until they noticed me, and I built great friendships through that. So anyway, fellowship so important. Three, I'm going to go quickly through the rest of these. <laughs> I was just kidding about going quickly through the rest of these. Did you catch that? <laughs> I was just kidding. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. A quality church is a praying church. A quality church has people that pray during the week and not just on Sunday. Let prayer just be a part of your life. Now, I grew up in a church where they prayed King James. And, I'm, and I mean, it was unbelievable. When they would get up to pray, you know they knew God. I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying the vocabulary was different. And if you didn't get that vocabulary, it might have sounded like impossible to do. But what I've learned, you don't have to pray in the King James language to have a prayer life. You can actually just pray as you are. And God hears that and he accepts that. So here's what happens to the prayer life of the church when God's people pray during the week. <laughs> you catching me already? The better we are praying during the week, the more powerful our prayers are going to be when we gather together. That's just the way it is. A quality church sets aside time for prayer. We do that in our services. We do that after services. We'll pray with people. We have prayer chained. We have friends that just say, hey, I have a need. They've built relationships through Koinonia Fellowship that they know that whatever they're going through, they have someone that they can call and they'll pray with them. Prayer, prayer, let's pray about this. Because a lot of things we face are beyond us, aren't they? We need somebody and we need someone else to meet that need. Then comes, after all of that, power. Do you see where I'm saying that some people want to see the power of God but don't want to be in the process of God? They want to see God move in certain ways in their life but they're not part of any teaching. They're not part of any fellowship. They're not part of corporate prayer or private prayer, but want to see the power of God. What I'm learning is, is the power of God comes through the process of God that involves the gathering of God's people. If you look at the first missionaries, I forget what chapter it's in. I'd have to look it up in the book of Acts. They were sent out not from Jerusalem, but Antioch. The first missionaries came from Antioch and they were gathered together in prayer when God called Paul and Barnabas. See, there was a gathering before the going. Paul became part of the fellowship of the apostles, as frightening as that was for everyone. Imagine that setting. Let me just take you there real quick. The apostles heard about Paul was killing believers. Paul gets saved. And then Paul shows up. And imagine how Paul felt. How am I going to be accepted? I had people killed. See? But yet they went through all of that process, and Paul became part of it 
And then God used him miraculously. See, I I don't think we can have the true power of God without the process of God, the gathering, the fellowship, the generosity, the prayer. That brings about the power of God, God answering prayers. God still answers prayers. Here at Hope Assembly, and, you know, I'll answer for this someday. I realize this, but I don't care for making spectacles of people or the things of God. Because I don't see Jesus ever making a spectacle out of anyone. How many times did Jesus pull someone aside? How many times did he just lay a hand on someone? How many times, I remember one where they brought a blind man to him and his family was into it, but the blind man wasn't into it. That happens a lot. The family's into it, but the person that needs the prayer is not into it. Okay? And so Jesus, what he did, instead of making a spectacle, he pulled that person aside and talked to him personally and then did the work. Listen, Jesus could have done anything. He could have taken the temple from the center of Jerusalem and spun it on his finger. But he chose not to make a spectacle. See, Satan wanted Jesus to make a spectacle. Jump down from the temple and the angels will come so everybody could see that you were the son of God. Jesus wasn't about a spectacle. He did the spectacular, but he was not about the spectacle. And I'm not about shenanigans because shenanigans doesn't necessarily represent the Shekinah glory of God. See? I wonder sometimes, you know, we're just trying so hard to get God to do what he already wants to do if we would submit and be obedient to him. There's much more in the process of submitting and obedience that will bring about the power of God than the shenanigans that sometimes go on. I'm just not into the shenanigans. I I don't like it. I don't like spectacles. I don't like people making a spectacle of themselves because it becomes more about themselves than about. And listen, I've seen it all. I've experienced it all. I've been pushed. I've I've been anointed with oil that, that ruined a very good shirt of mine. I've seen it all. But you know what else I've seen? I've seen that when, watch, when we enter our prayer closet, God answers our prayers. And if I were to go around person to person and ask you, has God answered any of your prayers, you would say yes. I'll tell you something else. This is really my heart in, in it, of it too. And I've seen this, and I've always hurt for people. When we make a spectacle of a person, really what we do is we set them up for failure because we put them on a pedestal that they're either not ready for or that they shouldn't be on. And so I just don't like that. That's all. Sorry. There's other places they're into spectacles, and if that's your deal, then, you know, good. But I know God's working, and I know your lives, and I know what God has done, and I'm not going to use you to accomplish my will. Power through process, often involves obedience and submission. You know when you'll know what's in a person's heart? It's an easy way. Don't tell anybody. It's a secret. 
tell them no. Tell someone no, and you'll find out immediately what's in their heart. All right, I'll move on. Really quiet, really quiet. Five, generosity. All believers were together in everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave as anyone needed. Our church is amazing in its generosity, ridiculously amazing. We received this award last week. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it. We give glory to God. Second per capita in all of the New Jersey churches of the Assemblies of God. Pastor Joe ran the numbers and the church that was ahead of us, not, not that we could see that, but just to see where we were and something he was interested in. The church that was number one is in North Jersey, huge church. They only gave $30 more per person than we did. And I say that not that we get proud of our giving, but to say, you know what? God's been good to us through our generosity. Everything we have, look what we had during COVID. We had everything we needed to continue to do the ministry from technology to space. Everything's paid for. We have no debt. We've never had to go into debt. Million dollars worth of renovations in the last 20 years and we have no debt. Where did this, what? How is this even possible? Generosity. You want to see the power of God? <laughs> Tell you a story. And I'm, 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 no, I'm not almost. No, I'm almost done. So it was time when I got here. We were using the the uh, the uh, the uh, those sheets that you would put the songs on. The overhead transparency. Transparency was what I couldn't think of, and it was time to get a video projector. And so I went to the board and said, you know, we need to start looking in this direction, kind of start updating our technology. Some of them weren't too sure at the time. And then after we got it, one of them came up to me and said, that's the best thing we ever did. I don't know what we ever did without that. All of a sudden, everybody could see the words of those songs, you know, anyway. So, so what happened was they voted on like a, a, a probably a Tuesday night to, to get this. And by the end of the week, someone had had... I won't say any names or anything. Only a couple of you might even know this story. They were distantly related to the church through family, but I don't know that they had ever attended the church ever, not just since I had been there, but ever attended the church. Well, they went to Atlantic City and won a million dollars on the slots. And so by the end of the week, they came in with a $5,000 check, said we just wanted to give this to the church, boom, bought our first projector, new screen, and the whole deal. And I could give you story after story after story of that. But I didn't make a spectacle of them, make them come up front and do it. That's why some people don't know. But if you think God isn't working in power, then you just don't know because he is. He's doing great and miraculous things in that. So listen, I don't recommend going to Atlantic City and playing the slots. <laughs> let's, let's, establish, let's establish that. I've found that the more generous I have, that I am in my own life and our family's life, uh, we don't need to go to Atlantic City because God has already provided everything that we need. So that's just us. But if you know someone, no, no, no. You knew I was going there. Come on, you'd have been disappointed if I didn't go there. Generosity, so awesome. Thank you for your generosity in, in so many different ways. It's just joyous. It's just joyous. And to see all of it, it's just wonderful, wonderful. Uh, worship, 
worshiping the Lord, not just in singing, but in our attitude. The, uh, every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's what last week was. We got together with glad and sincere hearts. It was just a great spirit here, just, just so exciting. And even today, we're just celebrating what God has, has done. And I just want all of you to be a part of it, worshiping God, focusing on him during the week. When your mind is in neutral, think of the things of God. Take time each day to, to not rehearse your problems, and we all have a long list of them, but to rehearse how good God is. And to even look at your problems sometimes and see that, you know what, that might not even be a problem. That might be a blessing. I've just been looking at it the wrong way. Just count, count your blessings. Name them one by one if you know that song. There's a lot to that. There's a lot of truth to that in counting your blessings and worshiping the Lord. You see what's happening here in, the, in a quality church is these things are all coming together so that God can work. One of the first messages Pastor Don preached when he became the superintendent is uh, God wants to bless us, but we have to be blessable. And I never forgot that. I just, I want our church to be blessable. I want you to be blessable because I know God wants to bless you. Worship is part of that. And then growth comes. Growth comes. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A healthy church will grow. It, it will grow spiritually and it will grow physically. And a dying church will die. That's just how it works. But a healthy church will grow. Listen, in Malaga and Franklin Township, Gloucester County, uh, my style, you know, my giftedness, this church probably not going to grow to thousands of people. I can guarantee that. It's just not what God has for us. But what he has for us is awesome. And look what he's been able to do through us. Honestly, I don't want to pastor a church of a thousand people. You know what I like? I like talking to you and knowing you. And I don't like being in 400 meetings during the week. You have a budgetary committee and a sub-budgetary committee. And you have, uh, you know, uh, like Rick Warren's church. Rick Warren's church, 30,000 people. He has 400 full-time staff. How many of you even work in a company that has 400 full-time staff? I mean, if you're in a big corporation, you do. I don't want that. But I thank God for Pastor Rick. And we'll use his material all day long. That's his gifting. That's not mine. When he stands before God, God will say, this is what I gave you, Rick. How'd you do? When I stand before God, he'll say, this is what I gave you, Randy. How'd you do? I just want to be faithful to what God has called me to do. That's all. I like our church. I want it to grow because people are still dying. That's how it works. And if we don't have growth, then we'll die. That's, that's kind of how it works, you know. But God is doing great things. And I'm not going to make a spectacle again, but, you know, many of you are relatively new to the church, and that's a good thing and a wonderful thing, and you've grown. All right. Lastly, seven things. I'm going to make it more personal for all of us. Not only as a church, how are we doing? Because everybody evaluates that. <laughs> This church, that church, we go and we have a checklist of what we want in a church and all that stuff. I'm going to make it a little more personal than that. And it's this. How are you doing in these seven things as an individual, as a person? 
How are you doing in learning about God? How are you doing in fellowship with other believers? Now, there's a difference between can't and won't. Some of our people that, are, that watch online faithfully is because they can't come to church. And that's why we're going to keep doing it. We want to minister to people. They can't. But there's a difference between can't come to church and won't come to church. There's a difference. Fellowship, prayer. How are you doing in your own prayer life? Is God answering prayers? Are you seeing him work? Are you giving him praise? Are you generous yourself? Uh, are you worshiping the Lord, focusing more on him than on your problems? And are you growing spiritually? If you look back to a different point in your life, oh, you know, however, I'll just say, you know, I was saved at 10, so that was many years ago, 40, 44 years ago. If I look, oh, I was filled with the Holy Spirit at 16, so however many years, oh, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I was really on fire with God, and I wish I could go back. no. I'm just as excited and more excited with more wisdom than I was at 16 years old. What you're saying by looking back to when you were 16, 26, 36, 46, what you're saying is you haven't grown a lick since then. I mean, if we can cut through everything. When you say, oh, I want to go back to the way I used, that means you haven't grown at all. Don't say that. That's terrible. That's an indictment on you. Not on anybody else. Oh, that was harsh, wasn't it? I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to be, but I'm like, you know, you hear these things. Oh, I remember when. when, when. I remember them too. But I'm st I still want to be growing. I'm hoping I'm farther along at 54 than I was at 16. I'm hoping, I'm hoping at 64, should the Lord tarry, that I'm further along than I am at 54. Growth. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. All right, I need some help. And everybody said amen. I don't know. I set you up and nobody responded. Rafe, you in particular. What happened? My goodness. You all were thinking it. Even some of the new people. Some of my favorites. <laughs> I, I do... I have these blue pieces of paper for you. And this is not something you're going to turn in. This is between you and the Lord. But I mean it seriously, although I'm joking about it. W would you take a moment before we close the service? We're going to listen worship, worshipful song. Would you just take a moment with you and God? With you and God and say, am I learning about you? Is that an area that I need to work on? Am I having proper fellowship with God and with others? Is that a strength in my life or is that something that I need to work on? And only you can decide these things. But a quality church comes from quality people. And I look through this list and I, 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 I'm not horrible in any of them. And I'll be honest, I don't think I'm horrible in any of them, but there's some that I really need to work on. I put too much attention on myself and not enough on God. So we're going to do this. So, so Nick, Craig, blue sheets, if you can work on your side there down the middle and whatever, and Steve and Ray. Oh, oh, yours are in the back, so you can start in the back there and take these. And as they're handing them out, we're going to just play a worshipful song. And I, I mean this. I know I joke a lot, but this is one point where I am serious. Take the time now. Take the time now to walk through this, just you and the Lord. Just you and the Lord. Evaluate where you're at and let God work in your heart and in your life.
Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.